The title of an LA Times editorial last weekend stood out for me. It said, it's emotionally draining to live in America right now. And so did a meme. Frankly, I don't think America deserves a birthday party this year. And I know that you've had these moments, like I've had these moments lately, of feeling this way. Healthcare workers, and many of you are healthcare workers, often experience a condition called compassion fatigue, which is a high level of stress that comes from working directly with victims of trauma. It's also known as secondary stress reaction or secondhand shock. And being around people experiencing trauma itself becomes trauma. And maybe that's all of us these days. Here are some symptoms of compassion fatigue, emotional exhaustion, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, a reduced sense of personal accomplishment or meaning, <laughs> decreased interactions with others, a kind of isolation, and depersonalization, feeling disconnected with real causes. So again, I have a feeling that most of us these days are experiencing some level of secondhand shock or compassion fatigue, even if we aren't healthcare workers in direct contact with the traumatized, our world is traumatized. So how can we possibly integrate into our hearts and minds and souls and bodies all that is happening right now? the deadly and tragic 4th of July shooting in Chicago, other recent massacres in Texas and New York and so many other places, or the death of Jalen Walker, an unarmed young black man in Akron, Ohio, shot 60 times by police. Add to this the suffering and anguish we see on the nightly news, in places like Ukraine and Syria, and a real spiritual crisis can set in, is it any wonder we grow numb? And this actually is what got me thinking about the story that Jesus tells today, that famous story about the Good Samaritan. If you grew up in the church, you've been hearing this since you were five years old. And you know how it goes. A man heading from Jerusalem to Jericho along a dicey stretch of road falls into the hands of robbers who strip and beat him and leave him in a ditch to die. Then a priest comes along, sees this, crosses to the other side of the road. Next, a Levite appears on the scene. Levites helped at the temple everything from security to grounds maintenance to singing of psalms. He also sees the man in the ditch, crosses to the other side, and keeps on walking. Obviously, we're supposed to see 
that these two men are wrong to ignore the injured man lying in the ditch, and we know that they should know better, especially since the Hebrew Bible is filled with instructions to care for our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, it says in Leviticus, and, and you shall treat the alien who resides with you no differently than the native born among you. You have the same love for him as yourself, for you were once aliens in the land of Egypt. These words resonate throughout the Hebrew Bible. This neighborly message is a crucial core value. So then maybe we think to ourselves, well, I understand this command to love my neighbor as myself. You'd never catch me failing to reach out to those in need, like the priest and the Levite did. Except we do fail to reach out like the priest and the Levite did. And probably our failure to act comes not from lack of kindness or, 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 or cruelty or, or indifference, but, but actually from caring a lot. And in spite of that, caring, getting scared and overwhelmed compassion, fatigue. Maybe the priest and the Levite experienced this. When we see so much suffering, sometimes we stop being able to see it at all. So much pain causes our hearts to shut down because we don't think we can bear that pain anymore. For the first century people that we're hearing about today, it might have been the pain of Russian, I mean, Russian, gosh, <laughs> Roman occupation. Um, it might have been the ever-present grinding poverty of the time, and for us, a pandemic, mass shootings, war. Yet, we don't want to cross to the other side. We don't want to turn away. You and I want God to see us as good and giving people, don't we? This is what the lawyer comes to see Jesus about. He wants validation. And that's why he asks Jesus for answers about what it takes to be good. First asking, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That means he wants to know how he can live in such a way that will unite him with the kingdom of God now and forever. He wants to be a part of all that. And Jesus answers, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he gives that A-plus answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he gets an A-plus from Jesus, who says, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer wants more confirmation that he's doing enough, that he will qualify for eternal life. And we see it in the next question that he asks as he tries to sort of justify his choices in his life, the things that he does and that he doesn't do, the times that he maybe walks by someone in need. He wants to parse out this whole concept of neighbor. And he asks, and who is my neighbor? <laughs> He's looking for a loophole. 
But responding to this, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, beginning with the part with the priest and the Levi walking by, and next, a Samaritan comes along, sees the man, and actually stops to help. First century Jewish listeners would have been shocked by this turn of events. A Samaritan? A foreigner? Would be the last person that anyone would expect to help. First, because he's taken a big chance, stopping it all. What if someone sees him and thinks he's the one who caused the harm? Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And what's more, bandits might still be lurking nearby. They've robbed and beaten before. They might do it again. What an amazing gesture the Samaritan man makes by stopping and helping anyway and helping so extravagantly, dressing the wounds, taking the injured man to a nearby inn, caring for him further there, even leaving the innkeeper money to care for the man and promising more later if needed. Extraordinary. This is the story Jesus tells when the lawyer asks about eternal life. As one writer puts it, eternal life is what it looks like to become an insider in the life of God starting right now, to feel that connection now and forever, to become the kind of person who wakes up wondering, how can I help others experience the sweetness of this life with God today? I believe we want this, this purpose, this meaning, this closeness to God. Closeness. You know, the word neighbor in Greek simply means someone who draws near. So that's anyone and everyone. And people do draw near, near in our lives, near in what we read and hear. And we meet so much need. So what do we do about the feeling of being overwhelmed and lost the way we can feel so much these days when our neighbors suffer and they do suffer? What do we do about compassion, fatigue, the danger of feeling so much that we shut down and feel nothing at all? It's hard. It's going to take learning step by step to live with fear and risk and uncertainty. And we, run, we humans run from those feelings. The Samaritan, though, risks his own safety to save his neighbor. And the lawyer listening to this story, instead of searching like he does for a compassion loophole, I wish that he would learn to live with pain and uncertainty and to reach out even when it's scary and it hurts. Allowing compassion to keep burning through the haze of our indifference. I hear people say these days, I don't watch the news anymore. Haze of indifference. <laughs> Why? Why do we need to keep paying attention? Why do we need 
to stay awake to pain because of this paradox, this secret. Eternal life, the oneness with God and God's incredible purposes that's happening now and forever, if we can just jump aboard, we actually find that life in and through the pain and the caring and the giving and the risking. It's not on this side, it's on the other side. Like Jesus says, when we love our neighbors as ourselves, when we follow that law no matter what, we live. Isn't it crazy that, that joy waits on the other side of risk and pain? It's not over here, it's over there. Poet Jane Mead from Northern California, who passed away in 2019. I'm going to share with you just a few words from one of her final poems in her final collection. The collection itself is called, I Wonder If I Will Miss the Moss. And here's, here's what she writes. Whenever the experiment on and of my life begins to draw to a close, I'll go back to the place that held me and be held. It's okay. I think I did what I could. I think I sang some. I think I held my hand out. So let's each of us, you and me, hold our hand out. Let's try. Let's keep on trying. And I wish I could remember who gave the following excellent words of advice that go like this. Find yourself. Lose yourself. And then find others. Amen.